You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 11, Episode 3. Letter from Dorothy Fontana, March 1st, 1973. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans, especially all of our Star Trek history friends. And you know what, you tech heads, you canonistas, I say it lovingly, you're going to love this today, too, because it's all, we're back in the, with the, the greatest generation, or the first gen of fandom, the 70s folks who gave us the gift that we still have today without their hard work in a pre-internet world. Uh, we wouldn't have everything that we enjoy today, and the spirit and the core of Star Trek would not still be with us. And look, I'm... If you were listening last week, you'll know who our guest this week is. We had to have her back for another round. If you did not listen to last week's episode, you might want to do that first, because we're going to pick up right from where we left off and go forward. Of course, if you want to see the documents, new documents for this week, we're right there on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Here, as always, is a little audio sample to whet your appetite, but you want to stick around and I'll be right back with our... our with our guest once again. Take a listen. Dear Star Trek friends, Star Trek is coming back as an animated series. On first hearing this news, some Star Trek fans have been disappointed, but they have not heard or considered all the facts. They are as follows. Gene Roddenberry has full creative control and will function as executive producer. I will be associated with the series in some way, at very least contributing scripts. Well-known science fiction and previous Star Trek writers have expressed interest in writing new scripts for the show. William Shatner has signed to do the voice of Captain James T. Kirk, and we are sure many of the original cast will recreate their characters as well. That's right, Truckophile spelled with an F. Uh, I'm glad to have you. I'm <laughs> glad to have you back because absolutely, we are diving into not just one of those 70s era uh, fan groups, nationally known fan groups, the William Shatner Letter Exchange, but I'm welcoming back our guest, Luann Fortier, who was running that organization for many years and was part of that generation that we owe so much to. It was a lot of hard work. And everybody was fretting over pennies for postage and mimeographing and copying, but they had such a unique place in in the, the Star Trek rebirth and, and leading us to what we have today. So, Luann, I am so glad to have you back again this week and talk about more of this. Oh, thanks, Larry. It was an interesting time. Very, very different time. You know, we had just gone through the Cuban Missile Crisis and and there was Vietnam and all of that. And then Star Trek gave us this vision that we didn't want to let go. And then they damn, they, they canceled it. They, how could they do that? How so dare we, they? Yeah, yeah, we had to keep it going somehow. You know, and there weren't books yet. There, Blish was starting his books, but that was it. You yeah. know, so we made our own books. We made our own poetry. We made our own pictures. We had to keep going somehow. Well, that's what, that's what people, I think fans today, 
can identify with that that passion that won't let go. And today, people cosplay. They may and they did costumes then uh-huh. too. But cosplay is like an almost an industry. I don't mean to demean it by saying right. that, but people do do their props and they do shipbuilding and they do CGI modeling and people do their still do their poetry and there's still fan fiction and all that. Uh-huh. It's just that everybody's doing it sitting down. Unless you're building models, where people are doing it all sitting down, you know, or a sewing machine. But they're doing so much of it behind a computer screen. And you guys were typing and mimeographing and and collecting money for postage. But what you built, what I wanted to move into was with the letter exchange and your contacts with Bill's company, Lemley. And Shatner Uh was your special guy. Uh But I mean, I mean, if um, what was that like? What I mean, what first brought you together to form the letter exchange? Let me start there. Because something kept you and everybody around you in this until you were probably just exhausted after six or seven years. That's how long a series runs sometimes. But what what brought you together and then what kept it going when everybody else was standing and going, why are you like spending your money on stamps and all your time, time doing this? You know, like I said, we just wanted to keep this vision going. It was so important to have a new world outlet an outlook um, after all the Vietnam stuff and all the, you know, and there wasn't anything great on television and in science fiction to, to give us that impetus anymore, you know, lost in space. Well, but Star Trek. Did you think of yourself as a sci-fi fan or were you just enjoying it for the drama and for what it did to your mind different than anything else on TV? I read science fiction. I read Uh Ray Bradbury and Heinlein and loved that. But I didn't even connect that necessarily with Star Trek. Star Trek became a family. And I think all of us fans with our passion became family members, you know, and we we looked out for each other. We we. wrote to each other constantly. We helped each other with each other's fan fandom and fan fanzines and journals. We wrote in each other's books so that, you know, we could keep it going and build it. And uh, it was just an incredible group of friends, you know, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of friends. <laughs> well, it lit a fire that everybody it's it's what you, I love what you said about uh, they canceled it. And that's why I've looked at I've tried to explain first generation fandom. It's like Fine, you're going to take it away. We'll just make our own. And whether yeah. that was fan fiction or that was costumes and props and, and what have you, you know, right. art, especially. Right. Uh, and then and then but then people had to find each other. And that was the communication part of it, too. So, that again, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That was about impossible to find each other in a pre-internet <laughs> world without, yes. you know, for, you know. I don't even know how we did it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I keep talking about postage. You know, long distance was a thing. You know, if you were out of your immediate area, that was expensive, too. It wasn't like you'd get on the phone like today. No, we had quite a few people from the uh, United Kingdom. I had some people in Japan, Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, We had, of course, Canada and all over. We had... um, Scotland, Ireland, England, lots of people from England. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you didn't have foreign fans until Star Trek had been sold into their countries. And exactly. Famously, the UK and Germany and Australia were kind of the big. So, the fact that you had fans in Japan where it wasn't exactly a big market in some of the other nations. Uh But what gets me is our documents this week. So, we have this is Dorothy's letter announcing. The animated series, March 73. And I love how it's March, and they barely started working on the show, and she's already 
tamping down the disappointment rumors, <laughs> which which got a little strange. But that's a new Star Every new Star Trek is going to have that. But what I love is you've only been doing this for a little over a year, and she's personalizing a letter to you. How did that? I mean, like you guys have been so active already, making right. yourselves known. What happened? Oh my gosh! To get a letter from Dorothy Fontana, it just blew me away. That's that's like how. Well, had you had contact before this? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how she even got my name and number, but you know, we had contacts. I mean, I was making notes back and forth with B. B. Joe, who was, of course, in charge of everything in the world in Star Trek at that time, and she was writing little notes on all of our letters B. and and uh, Joe Trimble. Yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of mail addresses getting passed around because people yeah. were desperately trying to set yeah. that up. And I was in several clubs that she was quite involved in, and you know, we'd write back and forth. So somehow people found me. I don't know how Lemley found me or, or his agent or anything. It could have been through Joni Winston, you know, but well, um, thankfully those... they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like she's sending it to the William Shatner Letter Exchange. She underlines uh -huh. the line here for Shatner for you just so you don't miss it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And so that's 73. Now, fast forward. And again, I think we were talking last, last time you were with us about how fast it was. I remember the 70s as being so, I mean, we got the animated series and then the movie re, uh, rumors, but then it was the stop start. Yes, we're doing it. No, we're not. Yes, it's oh. bigger. Now it's a TV series. Now, And you just felt like you were being jerked around. Something was going to happen. And meanwhile, everything around Star Trek. And then meanwhile, that helped George Lucas get his funding for Star Wars. So there was a general right. sci-fi boom and a, right. a little more respect. Because that was part of this, too, was a little more respect just for sci-fi fans in general. Right, right. And, you know, Star Trek II was supposed to be the big new series. And I have a whole book about how that didn't make it. Um, and I was getting letters from Paramount all the time about, oh, boy, we're going to do this. And then, no, we're not. <laughs> It, like I said, we're just being jerked around, but we were trying to be hopeful. And David Gerald even posted a thing on one of my letters. It's okay, kids, it's time for another letter writing campaign. Here's mm -hmm. all the addresses. Let's go to it, you know, because over a million letters went the first time. A right. million. The save it for season yes. three in 69. Yes. yes, I sent hundreds of those myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned David. Now he, you get mentioned in one of his Star Trek uh, universe yeah. books, right? Yeah, the world uh, of Star of... Trek. I'm on uh -huh. page one ninety-three. He's just talking about the various um, fan clubs and their journals, and basically talking about mm -hmm. the olden days. Yeah. Well, did you get a spike uh, in member? I mean, what was the fan membership? As the seventies went on, did people drop off? I mean, it generally got bigger no, and bigger, grew. right? Yeah, as people yeah. found out about us, it definitely grew from a handful of people to a hundred. We thought we were huge when we had a hundred people, and towards the end, I counted six hundred people. You know, and and that was a lot to organize without internet to try to get these people to meet each other and write to each other. They all wanted to write to me. Well, I can't write to 600 people, <laughs> so to try and get to them to write to other yeah. people. So yes. you had a directory with addresses in it? What kind of things had that manifest? Um, every newsletter eventually would have some new members and their interests, so people could hopefully right. keep that and make their own directory, yeah. Right. 
We did. We had a cut last week for those who haven't listened yet. We had our documents last week, had some front covers, but those newsletters were a lot more than the front page. So they were right. six, seven, eight letter uh, pages. How did that work? Yeah, they were usually around six pages, you know, two sides, um, mimeographed, of course. And it would have all the news of Shatner, his upcoming appearances, all of this, thanks to Joni Winston, usually, or me combing through every every TV guide, everything I could find <laughs> and posting yep. it, you know, because not everybody had access to all that. So, um, and then, you know, we'd, we'd have comments from the various people on fandoms and conventions they'd gone to. So that, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. Well, when I, people today, we look at YouTube uh, subscribers and we look at hits and views on anything social and people understand the, the, the magic of numbers. Uh-huh. And that's when you say your membership grew to 600. In the se- People are still trying to wrap their arms around exactly how big Star Trek fandom is, you know, in uh-huh. the U.S. and around the world. And they were certainly, as it blew up, they were certainly trying to, if not the world at large... Uh-huh. Paramount, Paramount was trying to you know get its hands around, uh-huh. and so you were doing a great. That's what I love about the some of these documents this week is the press release here for the Star Trek II casting signing for Shatner, which they made sure to get to you. I love here in September '77, and of course we know that gave way to the motion picture. But then even on the side, the Bobby Cowan uh, press release here, where he's going to be just he's in a play on the East Coast. And they get you one. And this is Pat Farala? Well. Who was she? Who was she? Somebody know, else you knew? She was part of, I think she was maybe the actual agent in the Bobby Cowan agency. I have mm-hmm. probably four different people who were agents of some sort. And of course, none of them identified themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Even Eleanor didn't really identify who, who she was. I presume she was someone important. Because I got the stationery, so. <laughs> right, right. Well, she, um, Eleanor, of course, was the was the one who worked for Lemley, Lemley. which is Shatner's yeah. own production company, right? That did right. The, did things. But here's a handwritten note again to you. Uh, that's an add-on. She's she's added on. T- this is the topper for the play that he's going to be on. Merv Griffin, July twentieth. And rather than send out an email blast or something, this is the way things were done. It's just that they knew you were a hardcore group that was a great you know, nucleus to get the word uh-huh. to and, and, and disseminate it from there. Right. This kind of thing happened all the time, right? Oh, yeah. And then a lot of my members also were members or creators of other Star Trek clubs. We were very affiliated mm-hmm. with LNAF, Leonard Nimoy Association of Fans, Spock Scribes, you know, the horror group, all of these various groups. And... um so they read our newsletter, we read theirs, we spread the word, and the word got out. Yeah. This is how you went viral <laughs> in, in the OG days, guys. Yes. Well, And then I, I love the mailgram telegram here about the announcement for the motion picture, but it's, it's a week ahead. I was checking dates here. This is, ex- this is exactly, this is March 28th. It's ahead of the April, early April date for that. And they put the, so hardcore fandom knew what was coming a week early. Yeah. To get a telegram from Dean Reidenberg, I just about fell over, you know, to even get a telegram, which I didn't know if they even existed, because <laughs> normal people didn't get telegrams. 
Well, yeah, especially by the 70s. They, yeah. They kind of, people yeah. pick up a phone and go, hi. I mean, and you were at it again for so long. Did you ever, did you, along the way, it's drain. It's draining sitting from a computer and, and, you know, do your social media and do your emails. But you're doing the, the hands-on here. And you had the team. It was the, it was the group, but um, the big group. Um, did you ever feel burned out along the way or what, what kept you going? I mean, finally you did. And it's after five, six years that that makes sense. But what kept you going all those years? Was it just this, we're, we are on a mission and we got to see it through, which was what the seventies fandom to me is all about. I think it kept going because of people like Eleanor and, and Joni, you know, they kept sending me things. And whereas I might have given up because I didn't have Shatner involved. You know, he was busy trying to make a living and paying child support. I didn't expect him to be involved, but I I could have certainly gotten discouraged because some of this was my allowance. <laughs> you know, I was back in those days. But thank goodness, people like Bobby and Joni and Eleanor came and kept kept giving me information. So I had to. It was my job. <laughs> yeah. And Joan Winston, I think we mentioned, uh, uh -huh. author of uh, ABC executive that was one of the first insiders who, from the industry, loved Star Trek and helped propagate it with her book about the uh -huh. making of the Trek conventions and all that. And uh, did you ever know Eleanor's last name? Gunderson. Yeah. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. Ellen, yeah. Yeah. But your contact with Shatner's company and she was all it looked like she was very busy keeping you fed with information, which is what Thank you'd goodness. Right. I, that was really. Did it ever strike you, though, in the day, um, what a, how this, this young person, <laughs> young woman in Colorado was hooked into this, like, you think everything crosses from Hollywood to New York and you're the flyover country, although I <laughs> phrase came along later, but still. I mean, did you ever stop and go, wow, we're in the middle of this nexus? Not to coin a phrase also. Um, you know, the, you just talk, wow, we're getting all this information in, in, in the driver's seat here to help spread it to fans. Well, it was a responsibility, but, you know, it was an honor as well. It's like, wow, you know, I've, I've got this great information. Let's keep it going. Let's promote Shatner's career. Let's keep Star Trek going. Hopefully get it back. You just have to do what you can. You know, we, we fought hard. You, you know, you didn't have to. I did. Or, I'm or a Virgo. Did you? I'm a Virgo. I had to do it. <laughs> okay. You were a Virgo Star Trek fan. That's what oh, it sounds like. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Luann, this has been, thank you again for tracking me down and saying, would anybody care to see any of this information? This is, these are wonderful little snapshots in time from Star Trek. But it, to me, it's so great to remind people, um, you know, the instincts here, hearing you talk about your passion and dedication, and I know you say, what would you say? You're, you're not quite this, what was your word, obsessed? But you're still a Star Trek fan. You're watching the Oh, you cannot be shows. a Star Trek fan. I mean, you know, I'm not quite as in tune as I once was where I could walk through a room and tell you the next line and tell you what episode it was, which I, of course, all of us could do that. Now I can't, <laughs> but yeah, I still love it. So yeah. It's my but family. It's, it's yeah. family. And it still is that way. And I just thank you for, A, saving all these wonderful documents and pieces of a time that, as I always say, it shows how much things have changed, but also how, how everything is exactly the same. Oh, okay. Don't you think? Don't you think? I, I really, I don't know. It's such a different world. 
Yeah, but the passion for Star Trek is still the, the same. The passion don't you? is there, yes. And I think the values of most Trekkers mm -hmm. are the same, which is wonderful. Which is yeah. wonderful and spreading. And I yes. just want to say it's wonderful for you to share with us. And, and thanks so much for coming on the Trek Files again. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Hey, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, and all of our documents, plus your chance to comment, are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. Yeah, yeah, that's me at larrynimichek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts, too, at our T Public shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.